You got that hat on. We're going. You look good. It was so different than the last time I saw you. <laughs> Let's stand together tonight, to this morning, as we sing the solid rock. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand all other ground. It's sinking sand. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds. 
I love this next verse. This is my verse. His oath, his covenant, his blood. Support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way. Have you ever been there? You ever been there? Your soul gives way. Maybe you wake up in a hospital and you just don't understand why you're there. Maybe you've been, you've gotten a call from a doctor with a diagnosis that you wish you had not gotten. Maybe it is that something happens in your family that's just not the way you would have planned it. And it's overwhelming to you, but not to him. I remember this pastor saying not very long ago, even when it's over my head, it's under his feet. It's under his feet. His oath, his covenant, his blood. Support me in the whelming flood. What's that covenant? What's that oath? That he will never leave us nor forsake us. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Last thing, that's that verse. His oath, his covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul is wet, he is all my hope and stay. Right. 
sent out to you this week, My Soul Will Wait, continues on this same path. This is actually Psalm 62, put to music. Darkness overwhelms 
Give the Lord a hand of praise this morning and then just be seated where you are. And hug a neck. Welcome somebody to Poplar Springs this morning. All right, do that. Make you a new friend. What up, dude? You can be seated if, if you can. So good to see each of you today. And if you're a guest today uh, at Poplar Springs, we're so glad that you are here and would love to meet you and greet you uh, after the service today. And uh, so today's going to be a, a good day. I'm looking forward to, to preaching. Today's going to be about following directions. Anybody here have an issue with following directions? All right. I'm just telling you. Uh, Boy, we are in the right place. Amen. We are in the right place today. Several years ago, uh, there's a lot of stuff that you don't know about me, and I probably shouldn't tell you everything about me, but uh, I, uh, over the years, I have turned into somewhat of a neat freak, okay? And, and, and my kids, uh, they have been brutal to me, especially the last seven, eight years. They've been absolutely brutal. Uh, they uh, give me things like Swiffer and Swiffer pads. And my oldest son nicknamed me Adolf Swiffer. And it's terrible, isn't it? It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. But I don't know, the older that I'm getting, I just, I just like things to be neat. I want it to be clean. I want things to be in order. And, and uh, so, um, uh, so not long ago, one of our sons gave us a, a vacuum cleaner. Well, actually, he gave it to me. All right? And, so, uh, and I love that thing. And so our, one of our sons, Sean, when we opened up the box, he just said, Don't read the directions, Dad. Just go for it. I can't tell you how many times over the course of my life I've bought things, and especially the box that says, Some assembly required. Well, that's a joke, all right? That's just a a, a joke. Because there are just some things, it takes a lot of assembly, and it takes a lot of times, and you have to read the directions. Well, where we are in our study in the book of Nehemiah is about God preparing people for a work. And this work is so vast that they realize they cannot do it without the Lord. Now, I made a statement last week. Anytime there is spiritual advancement, there will always be satanic opposition. And sometimes that opposition comes from without. And sometimes that opposition, believe it or not, can actually come from within. And so I, I, I know that some of you have been waiting on me to kind of share a little bit more about Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. And I promise you, next week is going to be the week. 
When we get into chapter 4, we'll talk a little bit more about those three guys. But they're just like the wet blanket committee. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They are the joy suckers. And, 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 and any time something was getting ready to go forward, they were there. Uh, they were just dream crushers. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say dream crusher? I mean, there they are. You're kind of feeling good and you're moving forward. And then somebody just, just, they're just like the, the, they're just raining on your parade. They're just nothing but a dream crusher. That's what those three guys really are. And so we'll get to them next week. But today it's about this incredibly gifted but very diverse group of people hearing from God. Having a leader like Nehemiah who has fallen under this incredible burden from God himself. Because he cannot bear to think that the testimony of God is shameful. And so, so he's leading out and he's been such a, a great picture of a spiritual leader as he prays and seeks the heart of God. And as God begins to move, that he begins to, to share that vision with the people. And so what you have in chapter 3 is just a list of names and who they are and what they begin to do and the rebuilding and the reassembling of the, of the gates there around the city of Jerusalem that had been burned and they'd been, they'd been sh- just, just torn down and they were such a, a poor testimony to the greatness of God. Now, I grew up not too far from here in Gur, and, and uh, I had a, a sweet, sweet lady who taught me Sunday school. And her last name was, Miss H- well, her name was Horton, Miss Horton. And, and she's the one that taught me how to, how to memorize some scripture. And some of you were old enough, you remember, there was like a, like a little loaf of bread, and they had a little color, color uh, pieces of paper in them. And each piece of paper had a Bible verse, and you would learn those Bible verses. Well, Miss Horton was all about that. I mean, she she was, she was so good at all that kind of stuff. And, 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 then, and in her little class, she was so sweet and so encouraging and so kind. And, and if you got to a place in Scripture and, and you couldn't pronounce the name or the word, she would just look at you and just say, just say hard word. Well, I'm just going to tell you something. I don't know if you have went ahead and read chapter 3 or not. There are some hard words in chapter 3, all right? <laughs> So hopefully you're not going to take off for if I mispronounce any of these names and titles. Right? There are just some hard words in here. And this is one of the chapters in the Bible that if you're not careful, you will absolutely overlook. Because all it just looks like is names and where they worked. That's all. But I'm going to tell you, there's some rich, rich teaching right here in this chapter. And that's what we're going to look at today. So if you found a copy of God's Word opened up to Nehemiah chapter 3, I'm going to ask you to stand as we read. We won't read the whole chapter, but we're going to read a little bit, at least get a feel. And then I just want to, I want to spend some time this morning uh, just tearing this passage apart. This is the Bible. God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing Word. Then Elisha, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priest, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred and as far as the Tower of Hanel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. 
And next to them, Zakur, the son of Imri, built. The sons of Hassaniah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolt and its bars. Now, now just notice one thing. Bolts and bars were not a part of the sheet gate. But bolts and bars will be a part of all the other gates with the exception of the sheet gate. And next to him was Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hascock, uh, repaired. And next to them, Meshuzalem. That's a hard word, all right? Meshuzalem. And then the son of Bacariah, the son of Meshzabel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Banah, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoites, repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. Look at verse 6. There you have the old gate. Verse 13. There you have the valley gate. Look at verse 14. There's the dung gate. Verse 15. There's the fountain gate. Skip all the way down to verse 26. There's the water gate. Verse 28 is the horse gate. And the priest repaired each after his own house. Verse 29 talks about the east gate. And then you get to the very last gate, the muster gate, and then he closes up in verse 32. And between the upper chamber of the corner of the sheep gate, the goldsmith and the merchant repaired. So Lord, today, we've got a text before us that is a little bit unusual. And Lord, we pray that even what is recorded in Scripture, every single word, God, we believe, is God-breathed. And Lord, there is a reason why you put this list in Nehemiah. Now, Lord, today what we ask is the Holy Spirit would give us guidance, that the Holy Spirit would give us wisdom, and that, God, we would see what you intended to say through these people and what they did to the glory of your name. Now, Lord, many of us in this room today, we may have good intentions on a lot of things. But if it's not the glory of your great name, God, we pray that you would redirect our path today. And that, God, that you would give us clear instructions as, God, we want to repair. And that, God, we want to see your glory on display. God, we want to see you work and do what only you can do. God, only you can save. God, only you can heal. God, only you can restore. God, only you can redeem. God, only you can justify. Only you can bring true glory to your great name. And so, God, we pray that you would begin to do a masterful work in our presence today. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would arrest our attention. I pray, God, that we would would see our place in this text today. Now, God, this word here wasn't written to us, but it was surely written for us. And I pray, God, as we read, as we study, as we glean today, that, God, you would speak to us. And as you speak, God, I pray that we would obey. And we ask this today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated.
Well, as I've already stated, here is a powerful work that God is bringing His people to. And our goal should always be the glory of God. Don't, don't do things for the glory of the worship or the choir or the pastor or the sermon or the teacher or the teaching. You, you understand that, right? We do what we do not to make our name great, but we do what we do that God's name would be made great. So our goal has to be the glory of God. It's not nickels, it's not noses, it's not numbers, but it is the glory of God. And I want to submit to you today that God is still on the throne. And God has a master plan. And God wants to unpack that master plan to each of us. And God is calling us to be faithful. Every one of His children, He's calling us to be faithful to what He has planned for us, what He has planned to do with us, and what He is going to do through us. Number one, I want you to see this big and plain. God uses people who will obey Him. God uses people who will obey Him. Now, in the text, when we read, and and I would challenge you to go back and reread this chapter again. Because here's what you will discover. God is using all kinds of people in chapter 3. Matter of fact, I've gone and done some of the math. 38 workers are listed. 42 different groups. Preachers. Politicians, men, women, married, single, goldsmith, uh, perfume makers, people from in the city, people from outside the city. And I think what you have in chapter 3 is this beautiful, beautiful picture of, of, of participation from a body with all kinds of giftedness and life experiences. It, that, listen, you don't have to have a seminary degree in theology or doctrine to be used of God. All you need to know is that you've been saved by grace. And if you know that you know that you know that God has saved you and changed you, guess what? You are a candidate of somebody that God can and will use for His glory. So the work that God was calling them to do could not be done by one man. Could not be done by one group of people. It's a great picture of unity. Here's all these different people, different backgrounds, different experiences, different occupations, different levels of all kinds of things. Isn't that great? You don't have to be a big shot or a little shot. God just loves shots, right? And He uses everybody for His glory. Unity is not based on personality. Thank God for that, amen? Because there's some folks in here, you're like me, you're sanguine, you love people, you love people. Now there are melancholies in here, there's only a handful of people that you love, Right? And there's some, there's some, there's some other folks in here. You got, you get, you're phlegmatic and man, you, you, you just, you just kind of, it don't matter. It just doesn't matter, right? You, I, I can't, I can't threaten you to, to walk faster and, and I, 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 I can't reward you to walk faster. You're just going to do your own thing. You're phlegmatic. And then there's other folks in here, man, you love being in control. All the control freaks say amen. Well, thank you for being honest. All right, you're good, good. 
so, so God is using all these different types. So unity is not based on our personality. Unity is not based on dress. Unity is not based on social standing. Unity in the body of Christ is based on one thing, and that is Jesus Himself. And that is the beautiful thing. So unity is based on the faith. And remember last week, all we talked about last week was faith. That God wants us to exercise a faith that we can believe Him to do the impossible. And so what I see here is people that are being used of God. They're just servants in the Lord's hands. God uses people who will obey Him. Number two, God uses people who believe Him for the impossible. Now, if you fast forward to chapter 6, verse 15, you will discover that in 52 days, all the work was done. Okay? 52 days and all the work was done. It was completed. And it really wasn't about their ability, because if you read, if you read clearly, most of the people that were doing the work were not builders. Now think about that. They built walls and none of them hardly were builders. They were goldsmiths. They were merchants. They were preachers. They were worship pastors. And you know they don't do very much. I'm just, that's just a joke, Scott, all right? That is just a joke. So think about that. In 52 days, all the work was done and most of the people did not have a background in building. You know what that means? That means God can take any of us in this room today who are saved by grace. If you will be available in the Master's hands, He can do some awesome things in you and through you. It's not your ability. It's your availability. And they were willing they gave all that they had and placed it in God's hands. I, I, I remember when I was a kid, there's, there's an old song. And I don't know what it is. Maybe just because I'm getting older. And uh, so July, I'll, be, I'll, I'll turn 60 in July. And, and that, there are just things I think about differently now than I did years ago. But, but we talked about this today. It's amazing how many of the old hymns and old songs just flood my mind at times. And I remember as a kid in that junior high choir at Hillcrest Baptist Church in Greer singing a little song called, Little is Much When God is in it. Some of you are old enough to probably remember that song. And so here is this beautiful picture that if we can believe Him, that He would call us, He would use us, not based on our ability, but His ability. Because God can take a redneck like me, and God can take someone like all of us in this room, and use us for His glory, to do the impossible and the improbable. But here is some of our problem. Tucked away in this passage is verse 5. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. Forever recorded in the Word of God is this divine assignment that God gives these people. And listed here are some people who are not going to lift a finger to do a thing. They had to have been Baptist. Alright? They had to have been Baptist. 
Now, I just want to stop for a minute there. Because that just makes me think there are a lot of people who want to share in the victory, but they do not want to share in the battle. And can I tell you, there's nothing more discouraging than as a leader, a pastor, a servant of the Lord... That you want to win people to Jesus. You want to reach the community. You want to encourage people to be used of God for His glory. But when you see people who just sit down and absolutely do nothing. Can I just tell you, that is very discouraging for a leader. Well, it's not that they don't do anything. They do one thing and that usually is find fault. You ever notice that? People who do nothing are always complaining about those who are doing something. I, I, think it was, I think it was Spurgeon on one occasion that a lady came up to me after the church service and she just said, Dr. Spurgeon, I just want you to know I do not like the way you do evangelism. And he was a very brilliant man. And so he just asked her, well, well dear madam, uh, please tell me how you do evangelism. And she said, well, I don't. To which he said, I like the way I do it better than the way you don't. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Over the years, I've just learned that, you know what? I I could, I could, you know, every leader could sit and whine and complain and bellyache and even take it to the pulpit and pound, pound, pound. But do you know what I've learned over the years? You do exactly what Nehemiah and the rest of the people did. They just went with the goers. They just went with the goers. You know, my dad taught me an important lesson years and years ago. He had no idea what he was teaching me. We always had a garden. And I still like having a garden. And so, you know, uh, I had different jobs, different, different, you know, chores and that kind of thing. And, and that's probably, uh, I don't even know if kids have chores today. I don't know. Our kids did. And so, so there, there's just, uh, but man, plowing. I absolutely loved it. You get that tiller out and you would go. And I remember the first time I ever got it out, I mean, I was all over the place, okay? And he let me just do that to show me how bad that it really was. And then he taught me how to pick out something out there in the distance and to keep my eyes on that. And man, once I got that first row straight, then I could model that thing and there's the next and the next and the next. And man, I love all that stuff about planting and reaping and growing and... But every now and then, there would be a stump. And my dad would say, now, look, you can't till over that stump or you'll break the tiller. So here's what you do. You plow around the stump. And year after year, guess what we would do? We'd plow around that stump and around that stump and just plow around that stump. And all of a sudden, Craig, one day, that stump rotted. My dad took his foot, kicked that thing out of the way, and it was gone. That's what I've learned to do in church. You can't stop the work that God has called you to. You go with the goers and you just keep going. Amen? You keep moving. You, you, you keep reaching for what God has for you. You go with the goers. Work for Jesus until He comes. I don't know who said this. The author is unknown, but it's pretty sharp. Listen to what he said. He wasn't much for stirring about. It wasn't his desire No matter what others did, he was sitting by the fire. The same old story, day by day, he never seemed to tire. While others worked to build their church, he was sitting by the fire. At last, he died as all must do. They say he went up higher. But if he's doing what he used to do, he's sitting by the fire. (laughs) There's a work 
to do, church. Amen? And God wants to use you to do that work. I believe that God has a fresh work for this body. I am praying and I'm believing for a fresh encounter with God. I'm believing that God is going to give us a burden to reach a lost community, to watch the gospel set people free. I believe that this church is going to grow and God is going to use it as a means to glorify Himself. And and, and I believe that with all of my heart the question is who is going to greet the people when they get here who's going to disciple them who's going to pray for them who's going to teach their children who's going to wipe their tears away who will keep them accountable who will love them who will help them find a parking space who will change their baby's diapers who's going to teach them the word of God Well, I can already answer that question. I'm looking at them. God's going to use you. With all your gifts and all your different talents and all your abilities. God is going to use you. Point number three. God will use you in His work to glorify Himself. God is going to use you in His work to glorify Himself. You know, this this passage is a beautiful picture of the Christian life. And it has so much practical application. So here's what I want to do for the next few minutes. I just want to walk through the rest of the, the book. And and I just want to show you the gates. And I want to make some observations about the gates. But I want you to listen very closely. You know that there is the sheep gate. The sheep gate is the only gate that's mentioned twice. At the sheep gate, animals were brought there and they would be used for temple sacrifices. This gate reminds us that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It is the only gate in this passage that does not have a bar and does not have a lock. Do you know why? Because Jesus is always approachable. If you want to come to Him, He will not refuse you. He is the sheep gate. And then there's the fish gate. Fishermen would bring their catch and they would sell their fish there. This is the gate of service. Do you remember when Jesus said, Follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. And then there's the old gate or the original gate. This gate represents the sovereignty of God. That He is in control. That He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then there is the valley gate. It, it opened out into the valley of It speaks of suffering. It speaks of humility. Many valleys in that area of the country. And many of you to know what it is like to have the ups and to have the downs. You know what it is to have a valley experience. And you know what it is to have a mountaintop experience. And most of us in this room today would have to agree. God has taught us most in the valley than He ever does on the mountain. So God uses 
the valley gates. He uses the ups and downs of following Jesus. They are necessary in order to produce the right fruit. Then there's the dung gate. Or we would call that the trash heap. Not a beautiful thing. But it is necessary. Amen. I mean, it's necessary. It's an essential ministry. A city would be in trouble if it didn't have a sanitation system. And even for the child of God, it is essential to get the garbage out of our lives. To help us live right and righteous and holy and pure before the Lord. Then there's the fountain gate. What a beautiful picture of cleansing. John 7, 38 says, Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That Jesus is the source. He is the living water. And if you drink from Him, you can know eternal life. And there's the water gate. It is a beautiful picture of the Word of God. Ephesians 5.25, Psalm 119.9 talks about the power of the Word, the washing of the regeneration and restorative powers of the Word of God. Then there's the horse gate, which is a picture of spiritual warfare and battle. I got time. I got time. If you don't beat the Methodist to lunch today, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Listen to this. Revelation 19. Oh, my soul. And after this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for His judgments are true and just. For He has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged her of the blood of His servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever and the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying amen hallelujah and from the throne came a voice saying praise our God all you his servants who fear him small and great then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty pearls and thunders crying out hallelujah for the Lord our God the almighty reigns Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. If it was granted to her to clothe Himself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. God is going to write every single wrong. Amen? You don't sound too excited about that this morning. So that even tells me even in the height of spiritual warfare and battle, I've got to know this. There has already been made in my life and in your life the victory that belongs to Jesus. Amen? You may, you may feel like you lose a war every now and then, but you've already won the battle. Because he lives. And then there's the east gate. Located on the opposite side of the Mount of Olives. This gate speaks of the return of Jesus. Zechariah 14.4 speaks of that. There's the inspection gate. David would inspect his troops there. This gate speaks of the final examination. That our Lord is going to take charge in. 
In the book of 2 Corinthians 5, 10, it says that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And then it ends with the sheep gate. It begins with the sheep gate, and it ends with the sheep gate. Can I just tell you, that just tells me everything begins with Jesus, and everything ends with Jesus, and there's nothing but Jesus all in the middle. It's kind of like that Oreo cookie, right? It's just good. I don't know how you eat an Oreo cookie. I mean, I, I mean, I'm a professional. You take that thing and you do this. Then you take another cookie and you do this. And you take the two sides with all the cream and you stick those together. I know they call it double stuff. That means it's quadruple stuff, right? Because it's just good. And I want to submit to you today, God has a plan and it is good. And that plan is all centered around Jesus and he is good. And what God is going to accomplish in and through his people who will trust him enough to do it, it will be what? Good. It's going to be good. Now, I'm going to say something that you may not agree with. And I reserve for you the right to be wrong. (laughs) If you are not going to be that people, God will find that people around here. You hear me? If you don't want to be that people, He'll find them. But if today and tomorrow and next week and the week after and the month after and the years after, if you are willing to be that people and that you will trust God however He's equipped you with whatever experience you've got to say, God, I will bring all that I am and I will place it in your hands. And God, I'm asking you to use me that your name and that your glory can be great. I'm telling you, He will. And God will show you Himself like you've never seen Him. And God will do great wonders in this body like you have never seen. And I'm asking you today to trust Him for it. Lord Jesus, today, I thank You and I praise You for the power of Your Word. And Lord, just to, to look at this text and God, we, there's no way in 30 minutes that you could really give this text its due. Lord, to see all the details of this chapter in each person and God, their life and their calling. And, and Lord, they were all just willing to be used of you. And God, we know that it really wasn't even in their ability, it was in their availability that God you supernaturally used to bring honor and glory to yourself. And what you had called them to do, they did accomplish. So Lord, thank you that we've got all of your word. We've got the whole story. So we don't have to wonder, we don't have to guess what happened. We already know. So, Lord, we, we, we know what happened. We, 
We, we know that God, they just, they just gave you their life. They gave you their heart. They gave you their time. They gave you everything. And God, you, you supernaturally just forged all that together. And they, God, just, they were just one massive body that was so willing to be used of you. And God, you did an amazing work. You restored. God, you put the gates and the bars all back together. And God, what a beautiful picture it was of your covenant, of who you are. God, what a beautiful picture it is for us even today in this dispensation. To know, God, that you are large and in charge. You are sovereign and you are good and you have a plan And God, that plan centers around the person of Jesus and what He did for us at the cross of Calvary. God, that we could could come to You in all of our sin and all of our selfishness, God, and all of our depravity. And that, God, You would save us and that You would restore us and that You would change us. God, that You would wash us. God, that You you would take all of our mess away, God. Thank You that, that, God, as You look at us today, You see us, God, through the blood of Jesus. God, thank You that You don't see us in our sin. You don't see us in our shackles. God, thank You that You see us as free men and free women who've been saved by the grace of God. And, And God, you are calling us to a place of service. God, you're calling us to a, to, to a, a moment in time, God, that uh, this, this opportunity is here. This opportunity is now. But God, this opportunity is going to vanish one day. We're, we're, the, the clock is running. And God, I believe that now is the time. God, while, while we have this moment... Because God, one day we're going to stand before you and we're going to give an account, God, of everything that we did in the body, whether it is good or not good. God, I pray that you would, you would, you would grab our hearts today to help us understand that, 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 Lord, if we're just going through the motion, just checking off that we've been to church and checking off that we've been to Bible study, God, that that is not what you've called us to. Those things are good and they're a right. There's a place for them. But God, you want us to be a part of your glory. You want us to, to God, know you in such an intimate way that we know what you have for us. And that, God, we give ourselves to you in such a way that we watch you work and we would stand back. And, God, it's unbelievable that these 42 groups in 52 days could do what they did. God, we pray. That you would give this church and its leadership, God, a vision and a passion to pursue you and to make your glory great. And God, I pray that many, many in this room today would put their yes on the table. God, I will trust you. I will give you my life. I will give you everything I have. God, I give you back my career. I give you back my family. God, I give you everything. And God, you take it. You use it. God, you do with it what you will to bring yourself the greatest measure of glory. And so God, even in this time of invitation, maybe somebody needs to be saved. God, maybe somebody needs to join this fellowship. 
God, maybe somebody here today will come to an old-fashioned altar and just say, God, I'm putting my yes on the table. God, I will trust you for what you desire to do to make your name great. And Lord, we pray this together in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, Scott. Our musicians, our singers are going to lead us. I'll be here if you need me. You may not need me. You just may need to get along with Jesus. But trust Him today. Whatever God has spoken to you about today, trust Him. Trust Him today. Acapella. Then to be the king of a vast
So as you're leaving today, as you go out the way, the men will be there to uh, receive your offerings or there's the black boxes out there that you know about. Uh, Brother Joey, wherever he is, there he is. He'll be out there. If you are new with us or, or returning after a long absence, he can tell you everything you need to know about Poplar Springs and even get you into PS 101, which is our class to let you know what we're about. And we hope you'll be there. Tonight there is a... Kim, why don't you tell them what's happening tonight? Just tonight, a fun just come play bingo with us. It's music bingo, so there's lots of music and lots of prizes for everybody. Um, we hope you'll come on out. Bring a dip and whatever goes with it. So if it's sweet, if it's savory, if it's fruit, if it's chips, guacamole, whatever. Bring it. That's what we'll eat. When you said bring a dip, I saw three people turn to their neighbor like they were contemplating bringing them. I'm not sure. Bring a dip. It's not just for kids. It's for anybody. Come and there may be a prize that you really want to be a, have in your home. So come and be a part of that. Church council meets at four today. And uh, also uh, the focus team meets next. So you don't want to f- forget about that. If you're in that group, you need to be a part of that. God is good. Let's do that again. God is good and all the time. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for allowing us to look on this passage of Scripture. Lord, I had no idea so much was right there. Lord, I pray that we will work till Jesus comes. Lord, I pray that this will be the place that does the work so you don't have to find somebody else. Lord, would you make us What you'd have us to be, would you allow us just to empty ourselves of us, fill ourselves with you, so that your purpose will be accomplished here in this place. We pray it in Jesus' name.